Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on King Speak. I'm your host, Tucker Bass. Today is going to be a fantastic show as I'm joined by the hosts of Dog and Deuce. You can listen to them anywhere that there are podcasts. Uh, Alan Martindale and James Dyer, I thank them for joining me today. They are fantastic, everybody. They bring some great insight. We're going to be talking a lot of college football. We're going to be talking BYU, Utah towards the end, so stay tuned as we talk about the Holy War. First, we're going to get into some Clemson football. Ohio State, who is my team, the best team in the nation. Let's go Bucks. We're also going to talk Alabama's dominance and much, much more. So don't go anywhere. This is an action-packed show. You're going to enjoy it. Thank you for joining us here on King Speak. All righty, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on King Speak today. Our two guest hosts, or kings of the day, I like to call them, are Alan Martindale, a.k.a. Dog, and James Dyer, a.k.a. Deuce, from the Doug and Deuce show. Very popular if you guys haven't been able to listen to him yet, I highly recommend it. I listen to him on Spotify. You can see him on iTunes, I believe, YouTube, um, Stitcher. What else do you guys stream on? Pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast, you can get our dumb voices. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, man. Um, also, it looks like you guys started pretty much in the early days of podcasting back in like 2010 what kind of make you made you guys want to jump into this and i guess what made you pretty successful to help us those those of us trying to get big you know james you want to you want to take this one uh yeah i mean i'll try look we appreciate you having us on tucker it's exciting and yeah i mean we have been doing it a long time which is crazy every time i think about it it it's crazier each time I think about it. That's, uh, but what made us jump into it was kind of just, you know, being uh, people who like sports and listen to a lot of sports radio, sports talk radio in our, in our uh, youth growing up playing video games constantly. And so when the, uh, when the opportunity came at Alan sort of um, pushing and, and desiring and like making it happen, it's really a, uh, Alan making it happen scenario and I'm along for the ride um, because you know he, he 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 he's the one who introduced me to the genre first of all and then sort of was like we could do this and it's really the uh, the mind behind the operation so to speak I just discovered I mean I just figured out what a podcast was before you that's all that's the only <laughs> thing I did seriously uh, yeah I probably didn't discover one until I got home from my mission so uh it was a bit longer for me, but I, I never really wanted to do one until I kind of dropped out of out of college to do some play-by-play and color commentary for sports films. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before. Um, oh, they're, yeah, they're not in sure. business anymore. Um, I'm now working for Prodigy Media, doing some of their high school and uh, videotaped some Little League games on Saturdays, which is actually pretty fun, not going to lie. Um, but uh, what... What sports do you guys love specifically to talk about on your show? I see you've had some awesome guests, Andrew Bogut, Eric Weddle, uh, Jimmer Fredette. So a lot of people on both sides of the aisle. You, you seem kind of unbiased, honestly, when I listen to your show, which is something that I appreciate because I try to be, I mean, the same and, until I'm talking Ohio State, Michigan. So then I get a little bit biased. <laughs> but uh, what, I mean, how do you guys get these? high-profile guests on your show? 
Well, now it's my turn to, to flip the script a little bit. James is the one who books all these massive guests. I don't know how he does it, but somehow he just goes out there and he, he gets these people and he has since day one. And it's, uh, it makes it exciting. Um, as far as being unbiased, I'm glad you say that because, man, we get, we get criticism from both sides for being too biased for the other team. Uh, we're Ute fans, but, you know, we, we try and look at it as unbiased as possible if you can do that. It's going to be tough this week, though, because it's rivalry week. Oh yeah, not gonna lie. That's that's when that's the one week a year where it gets really tough to 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 see things totally objectively. Yeah, I don't even use an M when I send messages during rivalry week. <laughs> I nice. do the X. I don't even like. I don't. I don't mention Michigan. I don't. It's so we 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 get pretty into it as well. It's 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 fun though. So I understand. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what makes especially college sports, but all sports fun. Oh, agreed. Uh, all. Uh, I don't know if it's as fun at the beginning of, say, March Madness because there aren't those rivalries yet. Um, but when you get down to some of those bigger teams, as you get closer in like basketball situations, those I, I, they just don't resonate as well as they do as these huge football matchups that you get with the Holy War. Uh, I mean, obviously, Ohio State, Michigan. Florida, Florida State, you get all these, most of them are in-state rivalries that are huge rivalries, and uh, I, I, it's kind of funny because we, we all get behind the Utah Jazz, yet when it comes to football, everybody's divided in the state. That is kind of funny because when it is jazz season, it's, it's, I almost feel like, I don't think people do this, but I almost feel like people are like, all right, we're just not going to talk about our, our collegiate uh, affiliations. We're just oh, going to... Yeah go all jazz because we're all one and we don't want to ruin that. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I would add, it is interesting. And we, and I, I also want to say, thank you for saying that. Cause we really do try to give the most honest assessment of where we think all teams are going to, going to play out. And yep. I would even, I wonder if we went back and checked. I mean, I know for sure definitively during Utah's winning streak, I've picked them to lose a few times and been wrong happily wrong mm-hmm. uh well it'll be interesting to see how if that plays out this week as well um you know it's rivalry week it's big and, yep. and it means a lot despite what utah fans say i mean there has there's a certain segment of, of utah fandom right now that um doesn't seem too interested in playing byu and i'm always on the other side of that that if there's a, a spot on the schedule uh brigham young should be uh playing in it if we can make it happen yep yeah, and I say that specifically because honestly, if if you're too biased in a podcast, is because you you're not going to get the wider audience around the nation too. So like when you're talking other sports and other teams, you kind of get got to get that knowledge rather than just speaking about one team, you know, one one specific football team or basketball team, and it's just going to get a little bit repetitive. So I think that's one thing that your unbiased helps is because you're not only speaking about these two two or three teams in the state. You talk about Utah State often, which had a fantastic uh, come from behind win, which we can probably talk about a little bit later on the show as well. Um, but, yeah, I really appreciate, really appreciate your unbiasedness, and I think we're going to start in on some of these games um, so that the, the, the audience gets a little bit more excited because it's been a while for me. So. Uh, let's let's see. Let's start with uh, Clemson, Georgia. I don't know if you guys had an opportunity to watch that game or saw any of the recaps. Georgia looked pretty dominant to me De- defensively. They just completely overpowered Clemson, which didn't score a touchdown the entire game. 
Um, but uh, what, what were your takeaways from that matchup? I'll let you go first, James. Well, I mean, obviously, George's defense has been long, especially in the back end. They've produced some top-notch talent, whether it's Champ Bailey on down the line. But a lot of it was more shock, you know? I mean, while they're good, so is Clemson. And um, they have all the recruits, and they have the history. And, you know, DJ has even played in games. So I was a little bit shocked of the, you know, offensive inadequacy of of the Clemson Tigers, but what a win for Georgia and what a way to start. Oh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how, how Clemson rebounds. They haven't really had to deal with sort of this side, this kind of, uh, even their losses, at least they've put in, in years past points on the board. It was more of a shootout. It'll be interesting to see how they respond on the offensive side of the ball for me. And, or they yeah, didn't those, have the number one draft pick on the field. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say those Trevor Lawrence days, man. It, it's that it was last year, but it feels like it was a million years ago watching that game. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it looked like DJ was pretty, I mean, hesitant from the beginning just because of that pressure, and then he held onto the ball longer, and it it really hurt hurt the Clemson Tigers, which I was happy to see because after a few years of being dominated by Clemson in the college football playoffs until last season, of course. Uh, I wasn't really happy watching them uh, play well, but to see them at at this point in the season look that unprepared and really just physically overpowered was very surprising to me. What 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 else did you see, Alan? That that maybe Georgia can take away because JT Daniels didn't necessarily play very well either. Um, so their off offense kind of needs to get a little bit a little bit more firepower going, I think. Yeah, I mean, for real. I mean, first of all, I, I just want to say I'm always happy to see Dabo Sweeney lose. There's <laughs> something about that guy that just bugs me, and I, I can't put my finger on it. So that was fun because uh, I don't know if you saw him on game day. He was yucking it up, having a good old time, and just something about have, watching him get that smug smirk off his face is pretty fun. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I agree, man. I mean, this, is, this didn't look like a, a Clemson team to me. I mean, I, I was obviously flipping around uh, – between all the games going on at the same time. But from what I saw, this looked like, I mean, this is like an SEC game, right? 10-3. Mm-hmm. It didn't look like, you know, a, a typical Clemson game. And I understand they don't have Trevor Lawrence, but I was, I was shocked that they still couldn't put it together more. Um, <clears throat> Georgia, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think that offense needs to kind of get in gear here. More, I mean, they got, a, they got a brutal, I mean, I don't have to tell you or anybody else that the SEC is a buzzsaw. So, I mean, you're going to have to really be – they're going to have to be better if they want to have a chance in that, in that conference. Yeah. And Texas and Oklahoma coming in in a few years, they're going to finally get a wake-up call with the SEC as well. I mean, you look, you look at that front seven. They only allowed two yards, two rushing yards <laughs> for the Clemson Tigers. When has that happened? Without Travis Etienne Crazy. as well, that's, that's a, big, a big thing that we haven't really talked about. So there's a lot of guys that they're missing, but – you you think that Clemson would be able to reload at this point um, with how much of a powerhouse they've become? So that was that was quite surprising to me. Um, I, I, I would be interested to know. I, I know. Sorry for jumping no, in here. No, you're good. I don't know. I I would be interested to know what the line of the game was. I can't imagine it was thirteen. I don't know if I mean, it shows on, on here. Yeah, I get on a good point. That is an SEC score, and while you know. Uh, it, the shock of it, yes, JT Daniels needs to play better, but I mean, Clemson not putting up a touchdown 
and I know they lost a lot. Etienne Lawrence is just, it's unimaginable, frankly, yep. <laughs> against oh, yeah. anyone because we haven't seen it. They've played. Uh, it's not like Clemson, like you, you mentioned, they've played the Ohio States and the Alabamas. They've won national titles and been in the college football playoff to see them not score a touchdown is sort of shocking, frankly, regardless of who's, who's on the field, you know? Yep. So the line was, uh, Georgia was a, so Clemson was minus two and a half. What was the over under? That's like the total, total score is what I was mostly wondering. Uh, 51 and a half. Wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not even close. That's so they, they were expecting something to happen and, and not a whole lot did <laughs> that is yeah. crazy i i would imagine in this next game we're going to talk about though alabama miami that it was it was somewhere similar but i didn't expect miami to get blown out as much as they did as well uh they highly spoke i, I mean pe- people on national media highly spoke about this team coming into this season but alabama and bryce young maybe it's all that money that people are able to get now, so uh, they're going to these larger schools, but Alabama just continues to look dominant. I ended up just turning off the game, so I can't really speak much about this one. I just know Alabama's offensive line, running game, and their quarterback, Like unlike the Clemson Tigers, who we thought they'd probably be able to lo- reload just like this, um, Alabama just continues to kind of show why they are number one and a massive powerhouse again this year in college football. So, I mean, Tucker, are you bored with Alabama constantly being at the top? Yes, because I'm an Ohio State fan, so I went into last year's national championship game thinking, hey, we've played pretty well all season. Uh, we, ha- I, get, I mean, we played Clemson, who was a great team last year. Defensively, we were able to put up good numbers. But every freaking time we play Alabama, it's – not fun, unless it's a you know 2014 national championship. I will, I will take that. That was a good. That was the best showing we've had against Alabama for a long time. And I'm sick and tired of hearing about Nick Saban, all the money he gets, and uh, yeah, I, I would similar to uh, Dabo Sweeney. I don't mind it when I see Alabama lose a game, but uh, I I have to give them credit where credits due. They are. Phenomenal. They have some amazing athletes all over the field that it just shows constantly. So that's my yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, I agree. I mean, you got, you can't, you can't slide him. He's figured out, Nick Saban has figured out how to make that work. I mean, mm-hmm. he's figured out a system that is just, uh, it almost feels unpenetrable right now. Like it just feels like it's going to keep going. Yep. And the better they are, the more recruits are going to get. Now with this NIL, I mean, I think the rich are just going to get richer with this. So um, yeah, it's kind of like the Tom uh, Brady of the NCAA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Only this uh, feels more insurmountable to me than than the Patriots did with Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I could be wrong. True. What about you, James? I I mean, yeah, you're you both of you are right, right? Like, I mean, Nick Saban, what he's built, like it's not like I remember. Uh, is it David Shula who was the coach before Nick Saban? I remember when Alabama wasn't, and I remember Gene Stallings is too in, in the '90s when they beat Miami for the national title, uh, and then Miami beat them if I remember correctly one year or something like that. Uh, but that gap between Gene Stallings and Nick Saban, there was a lot of down years for the Alabama Crimson Tide, which now seems un—it's unimaginable 
right? Yeah. Like, just shoe them in. They're going to be in the college football playoff. And it's crazy because if you think of the evolution of what even me personally think of, of Nick Saban from the outside looking in, like, I've seen him grow and mature as a coach from – I mean, he's still a disciplinarian. Like, don't get it twisted. Yep. Like, there is lines that cannot be crossed if you want to be an Alabama football player. But he seemed to be more uh, willing to also hear the players and what they need. I don't know if you guys sense that, but I, it's it. You're right. I I don't know if I had to choose any one program that's going to be able to survive the landscape and the changing dynamics of college football, it would be the university of Alabama. And I'm not sure 15 years ago, anyone would have said that. Yeah, it's probably true. I definitely would have been saying that. Do you guys think uh, Georgia has any shot against Alabama in the sec after what we saw from them and their defense? Well, their defense looked good, but man, I, and again, like Bryce young, this guy, we were hearing just a few weeks ago, how he has probably made like, what did Nick Saban say? A million dollars or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Even Quinn Ewers from Ohio state, who was supposed to be there next year in 2022 has already signed a million dollar deal as well. It's crazy what these kids are able to get right now. It is, but I mean, it just on top of that, what makes it impressive is that sure you get the, you get the money, you get the bag. But you still got to perform. Oh, yeah. And Bryce Young comes out and drops 27 of 38 for 300-plus yards and four TDs. Wild. Impressive. That's wild. I I think that was the most uh, touchdown passes in a debut for a quarterback for for them in quite a while. Is that correct? Or even ever? I don't know if you guys have heard that. It sounds right. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, pretty pretty impressive stuff from Alabama, honestly. Uh, Oklahoma is a different story as they the number two ranked team in in the nation uh, versus Tulane. It looked like they were going to pull away for a while, honestly, uh, coming into halftime and uh, going out in that third quarter. But I think Rattler, who was the Heisman hopeful, looked pretty rattled, honestly. He struggled uh, through a few picks, just underperformed, and then they eked out a win against a two-lane school who I'm not really sure if they're supposed to be 40 40 to 35 in this game. And honestly, we're possibly going to take the lead late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, who knows any players on two-lane? You know, like that's – it's crazy. It's crazy. And uh, to me, this is what makes it fun. Like I would have liked to see Alabama struggle a little bit more. I, you know, I like it when uh, we see some parity in college football because I think that's what's been missing. So this mm-hmm. was, I mean, this was shocking to me. I, I, this was a game I hadn't even put on my list because I didn't think it would even be interesting at all. So this was, this is a fun watch. Well, and it feels like it's just Oklahoma doing Oklahoma things again, right? Like, yep. I mean all the skill people are predicting that they're going to win the national title. But in the back of my head, the whole time, whether it's been Bob Stoops or or Lincoln Riley now, it just seems that the defense is going to let Oklahoma down or make them vulnerable at the most inopportune time. Um, And we saw it week one. I mean, again, I'd be clear. I like Alan, this was not a a game that was a must watch for me. Uh, but for did you turn it on reason I did not honestly I, <laughs> oh, I watched nice. only the highlights of this I, so like I did not watch this like from kick to kick I need to be clear 
but it feels like I should I should be shocked, but I'm not because Oklahoma giving up 35. They give up 35 to everyone. It feels like. Yeah, that's Big 12. <laughs> right? That's Big 12 football, though, right? Pretty it, much well, everybody totally in the Big 12 is. does it that. Is. That's why it surprises me that they think they're going to be successful in the SEC right away, because they. I just don't think they can hack it against that kind of that power every week. Yeah, they're gonna. I, I think they're gonna have a. A, a kind of a wake-up call. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're used to being the big dogs in their conference, you know, them in Texas, mm-hmm. and then now they're going to have to – it's going to be tough, man. I, I understand they did it for money. That's why they made the move, and I get it. But if you want to – if you're a fan and you want to be competitive, like it's fun to say, yeah, we're in the SEC. But if you want to be competitive, I, it's going to be tough for, for both those schools. Yep. Yeah, they're oh, yeah. going to have to completely Texas change recruiting. M. Yeah. Ask Texas A&M, right? Yep. I mean, imagine if Texas A&M – well, I think it's been good for their program. What what would have been their chances? I mean, there's been a few years where they've had 10, 11 wins of making a, a, a college football playoff if they were in the Big 12. I think they would have been better, frankly. Um, yeah. Might have even and made the playoff, why, honestly. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's why it's hard. Like, you know, a lot of people are picking Oklahoma to challenge for the national title. But for me, the defense, until I see the defense do it, it's so hard for me to pick them to be successful. They'll get there. I mean, I, I don't doubt that they have a good shot at getting there. But to actually win it, I mean, they're giving up 35 to Tulane, and, uh, you know, and granted, it's week one and it's crazy circumstances. The game was supposed to be down in New Orleans, right? Yep. But it was played in Norman because of the, of Hurricane Ida. Uh, so it's a crazy scenario, but still, like – more crazy for Tulane than Oklahoma. They didn't have to go anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and they and they probably I don't. And it's know Tulane sure, Super Bowl, sure. to to a certain right. extent too. Definitely, and I'm sure Ida even affected Norman as it went up through. Uh, but it, it doesn't feel. It feels like Oklahoma should have been able to come out and put it on them early, but after the first quarter, it was tied. It's crazy. It's crazy. That I mean, do you guys? That I guess kind of that's my question. With all the, you know, a lot of a lot of people picking Oklahoma, like, can you believe it? You, I can't buy it for that reason. What about you guys, Alan? I'll let I, you go first, man. I, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, when you have other schools out there who are performing the way they're performing and have the pedigree that they have and have the talent that they have, I agree. It makes it it makes it hard to buy into it. I I don't see it. I could be wrong. I just don't see it. I guess we'll have to see next week against Ohio State as well. I, I don't see it either, um, unless they can beat a team like Ohio State, who's been pretty dominant and honestly my favorite team in the country, um, who I kind of wanted to talk about for a second here before we get into, because I wanted to have enough time to talk rivalry football and get some of your guys' takes on that. But the Ohio State University Buckeyes had a – Pretty bad first half in terms of command, especially by the quarterback, T.J. Stroud. He looked a little like a deer in headlights early on in the game to me. Um, But after halftime, I think that wide receiver course showed why they're probably the best and most athletic in the country by just being able to separate and get into the end zone for T.J. Stroud. I think he only completed like five or six passes in that second half and threw for four touchdowns and just – they, they kind of ran away with it. Um, also, the injuries to Ibrahim, who was dominating us. Uh, that's, that's one worry I have for Ohio State. Same thing we did last year. We did not defend well, um, especially with that front seven. And Minnesota ran the ball all over our defense. 
So that's something that I'm worried about. Um, but after watching Oklahoma's uh, running game and just their performance overall, I'm not too worried about next week. What, what are you guys' thoughts on the Buckeyes? And uh, I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch Thursday because I know you're Utah fans. So you were probably watching that for a little bit until that 80-minute rain delay. Uh, what, what do you guys think of the Buckeyes this year? That, well, that was a game I didn't expect at all to be, you know, even close. And it was interesting until, until towards the end there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it, yeah, it was. It was close. I mean, how, how bad were you sweating bullets? That's, I guess that's the real question. You, you're an actual <laughs> Ohio State fan. So <clears throat> the real question is, you know, how nervous were you? Uh, they were like 30-30s, so pretty pretty nervous there for a while, you know, 30-30 caliber. Uh, pretty big uh, drips of sweat there for probably about five five minutes of game time until, honestly, when Ibrahim went down, uh, unfortunately for them, I, I, I just thought our defense was going to be able to hold. And then our firepower offensively, I, I never questioned when it was that it was going to happen. It was just a matter of when. And luckily it happened there in that second half to where they were able to kind of get a, a good touchdown lead, two touchdown lead, and, and kind of close the game. But honestly, it's they kind of give me uh, anxiety every week sometimes against some of these teams like Purdue. They always seem to play well against us. Um, and it's usually teams you would never expect to do it as well. So I wonder if they're looking past uh, a little bit looking forward to the next game. I guess they actually play um, Oregon, not Oklahoma next week. Um, so they might be looking ahead to that matchup. But uh, I don't know, man. It's it's going to be a good season. It's going to be a fun season. Um, do you guys like the Buckeyes? Do you have a problem with the Buckeyes? Do you have the no. same hate for Ohio State like you do with Clemson and Alabama? Or what are your guys' thoughts on them? No, I mean, me personally, I, I don't have any uh, disdain for the Buckeyes at all. In fact, I, I think based on what we saw with Oregon, you guys might have a hell of a chance this week because the Pac-12 looked like absolute garbage. Yeah. Um, they usually so do, I, unfortunately, for uh, it, a lot of people in the conference. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like, it's it's a Pac-12 thing to get on a big stage and just – uh, let an egg. It's what we do. It's what we do best. It's what we've done. Hey, ever since how about those joined. UCLA Bruins? Man. Okay, we got to give. Yeah. we got to give them credit. They yeah. are Come looking on. impressive. But Kelly, Chip Kelly, he always seems to find a way to do it. It just took him a couple of years. So there are two things I have learned uh, since becoming a Pac-12 fan ten years ago. One, uh, never bet on the Pac-12 to perform on the big stage. And two, never buy into the hype of UCLA <laughs> because it never pans out. Those are the two things I've learned. I mean, those are safe bets. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, look, the I, this is interesting for me because this will be <clears throat> this will be really kind of isn't this the beginning of the end of like Urban Meyer's recruiting? Because what he stopped in eighteen, so he would have three years in the yeah. program there, yep. right? So, I mean, it, it really is sort of an interesting turn for the Ohio State program where it really becomes, right? Ryan Day's uh, team, yeah. Yeah. And so if you're an Ohio State fan, like the first game of the year, you kind of, I mean, and you're right, like Purdue beat them on one year. I still think that they had a real, they got to the college football playoff that year, if my memory serves me correct. 
I think they did. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Uh, but, and it, and it was for, um, what was the, the guy who Purdue was way into the, the guy who has now passed. I can't remember his name. Tyler or something. I can't remember his last name, but I think exactly. his first name was Tyler. That, yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of the, the genesis of that loss, but it, it's going to be interesting to see if the success of urban Meyer continues, um, without, you know, having his recruits and, and, kind of now the program fully being eliminated from his sphere because now he's the coach of Jacksonville, yep. right? He was still sort of, I mean, whether... An advisor know, uh, of sorts. Well, it felt like it. I yeah. mean, whether you're a Gator or you and you're a or a Bowling Green fan and were offended, it felt like he was stumping for Ohio State more than any other program that he had coached. Whether he was on Fox or... ESPN or just doing TV hits. It felt like Ohio state was so much in his blood uh, that he was still sort of recruiting semi recruiting for them. It felt like to me. And now I don't think, you know, he's preoccupied. I don't think he's going to have time to be quite as active in that capacity. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see if the program continues at that elite level. I think they will be good. Good. I mean, Ohio state is always pretty good. Right. Yep. Uh, but I'll be interesting to see if that level of success can continue. Cause I mean, right now, if you think about it, they're one of the three programs that you can really sort of Chew assume in. has a good yeah. shot at making the playoff. Yep. Yeah. But I, I also think it comes to the big 10 being kind of a, uh, a down conference the last few years. We had, we had a couple teams that were pretty good. I think we have a few more this year that'll be a little bit better and a little bit more of a challenge. Michigan looked pretty good with our quarterback, Unfortunately, they finally have one. Um, so that game will be a little bit more interesting this year. But uh, I will I will stop talking Buckeyes, and we can get into the matchup, the Holy War, and uh, kind of get your guys' takes on that game. I think last week, if we go back to their matchups against Arizona and uh, Weber State, we can start with BYU here. Um BYU looked pretty good. Hall looked pretty patient in the pocket um, at times and didn't really take too many chances down the field. Their running game looked really good. Algier continues to impress. I think he's going to have another 1,000-yard, maybe 1,300 to 1,500-yard season, um, depending on how well their offensive line, which played pretty well against a Pac-12 defense front seven. Um and uh, yeah, I think they, I think they're going to do pretty well this season. They have a shot in this game. What did you guys think of their performance against the Wildcats? Are the Wildcats just kind of a bottom rung Pac-12 team? So this is just a mediocre victory on your guys's uh, a schedule, or is it a good win? Go for it, James. I mean, look, if I'm a, a BYU fan, I'll take the win, but be slightly disappointed. From from at least from the way or the the feeling I get from their fan base, like especially on Twitter, there man. wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I know there wasn't anything terrible about the victory, but there wasn't anything minus the sixty-seven yard TD pass, which was great. Yep, uh, that really uh, made me think, uh, you know, that they are what their fan base wants them to be. I mean, Arizona. I thought played relatively well on the defensive side of the ball. You're right. Algier had had his way when he wanted it. I mean, running BYU, I, in my opinion, minus the one long TD, BYU really won the game on the ground. Yeah. Um, and it was, it didn't seem, I mean, 
if if I'm a BYU fan, I didn't see anything that's going to scare Utah. If we're totally thinking about it from a, a this week game, I if I, I didn't see anything that's going to uh, make Utah's defense truly nervous. Um, but you know, uh, a, a kick return here or a kick return there, anything can get crazy. <laughs> it is rivalry week. Yeah, and then you could be down for like 90 minutes in real time, but uh, you know, come back and get a victory. So, what what about your thoughts, Alan? I think I just I hate the rivalry game being played in the second week because just, yep. you know, we cover it every year and I don't feel like we have enough information from these opening games to really break down what we expect to see. I don't think we really know what BYU is yet. I don't think we know agreed. what Utah is yet. Yeah, agreed. Um, I know there's there's high expectations kind of for both teams, but let's, I mean, BYU doesn't have Zach Wilson. That's a big piece. That's missing. Like that's a huge piece. Uh, Jaron Hall looked, he looked better than I expected him to. And uh, coming into the Utah game there, if there's one thing that really has, has been a thorn in the side of Utah defenses for years, it's, it's a mobile quarterback. We really struggle defending a mobile quarterback. So we'll see what happens. And, and he seems very effective with it. So oh, he's, I, he's I could, pretty quick. Yeah, he's he's fast, man. Like he's even faster than I expected him to be. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, I think it's a good win. Anytime you can get a win, especially if you're BYU and you're independent and you're you're really trying to build that resume uh, as they do with these tough schedules every year. Anytime you get a win against a P5 school, it doesn't matter. It's gonna it's good. You know, oh, yeah. you should definitely hang your hat on it. But let's not overreact to it either. That's the thing. And I think BYU fans are really right now. I think they're pretty realistic. I think they're happy with the win but they're a little bummed out that it wasn't more dominant because uh, everything we're hearing and everything we've seen, Arizona's just not a good team. So Arizona's quarterback looked pretty good though. He he threw for three thirty six on that defense. So if Brewer's going to have a chance to do something this following week against the Cougars, it's going to be throw the football, which is what he does best throwing it downfield. So you look at some of these things that really kind of hindered, BYU's performance, and I honestly think it's their secondary. Their front seven did pretty well. They only allowed, what, 81 81 total yards rushing. Uh, They did get a few sacks. Um, But honestly, if if you're going to beat BYU and do it pretty handily, I think the Utes have to do it through the air, and it looked like, from what I saw early on in that game, they're not afraid to give Charlie Brewer the ball. So it's going to be very interesting. As a Ute fan, it's so weird to have a... a quarterback who's comfortable in the pocket and just knows how to make the read knows when to bail like it's it's it made me feel weird man i'm not used to that when standing and he got hit a few times while he was going to deliver that ball so that that was also pretty impressive it's it's i'm just used to to our quarterbacks just taking off at the first sign of trouble so to see a guy like poised and composed in the pocket was strange I, I can fully agree with that. Uh, you, we're used to Tyler Huntley, who can get out and make plays with his feet. I don't think Brewer's that guy. I think Brewer might actually be an NFL quarterback. Uh, just it, his it mechanics. Like he's He looks the part on the field. I was very impressed. Came into camp and I guess just took took control, took command, and you can see his actual presence on the team and, and how much he affects the football field. So let's talk a little bit about that Weber State game. Um Kind of, kind of a close game early on. Uh, I don't know if the weather just impacted and the Utes just needed a little bit more after that that long eighty minute break. I know it's really hard. I've had those 
when we were in high school, we had some like 60 minute rain delay up in Logan and it was really difficult to get things going after that because you just don't have enough time to warm up before you got to go out and play. Uh, Final score, 40-17. to 17. They kind of pulled away later in that third quarter, which kind of worried me for, for Utah to an extent. Weaver State's a great team, however, uh, in the FBS and what they were able to do there. So what, what were you guys' thoughts on the games? What can improve for the Utes, and what do they kind of have to, uh, to do going forward to be successful? All right, James, I got, I got it here because I've been dying ever since the game. I've been dying to get in the studio get your take on this one because this is a frustrating game for me so let's i, I want to hear what you have to say i i mean and i don't think like I, i'll be the only one who'd take this position it's sort of like i predicted it should be my score for that game was 63 to 13 yep it turned out I remember that. 40 17 and when i uh we were texting during the game and i and i text alan that 63 was there for the taking right yep. like it, yeah they struggled in the red available. zone for Absolutely, sure. it was it was available. Uh, there were drop passes all over the field. It, I mean, it really is sort of the perfect scenario if you're Kyle Whittingham heading into rivalry week, right? You can't be too cocky if you're the Utes. In all honesty, if you're a self-assessing uh, the victory, you left a lot on the field, and eventually, when you leave a lot on the field, it'll catch up with to you. So it's really the best case scenario, but it was extremely frustrating. Uh, but also you had a lot of elements that you really can't prepare for. And so you do have to give them sort of a little bit of a compliment in the sense that, you know, no one was ready for a, a lightning delay of that magnitude and that length in week one after yep. we haven't seen rain for like a month. <laughs> so the response was, was good enough but I think they would have hoped for better. Yeah, Agreed. no, I, I agree. Like it's, but at the same time, like this is why you schedule an FBS team first game. And this is why, you know, I, as a fan, it's not super exciting to like get pumped for the first game to be against uh, uh, Weber state. Like it was a lot more fun to get excited about Michigan, you know, back in the day. But at the same time, you got, you have to have these, these, quote unquote, gimme games, because week one is always a disaster for everybody. I mean, you, you look across the country, every single team struggled week one, yep. except for Alabama. And so <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, that's why you do this. So on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, we got it out of our system. That's good. But on the other hand, it's like, dude, it was a little close there against Weber state who, you know, for an FBS team, they're outstanding, but they shouldn't even be in the game against us. Yeah, I was pretty surprised. I thought they were going to close it out pretty early. Um, I, I think that kick re return changed things a little bit for them, and, of course, honestly, the rain delay as well. Um, Charlie Brewer, though, I, I, I just continue to want to talk about the guy because he was so impressive. Um, let's take a look at his stat line real quick. So I have it right here. He was 19, 19 to 27. For... Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. 233, two touchdowns, 8.6 average, which is pretty good. And Cam Rising didn't look too shabby when he came out as well. Um, do you guys think his performance is going to be crucial coming up against BYU? No doubt. No, I, no doubt. I think he's going to be, um, I think he's going to be key because it, 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 Tavion Thomas played great at running back. You know, Micah Bernard, 
uh, had some moments as well. So, you know, as far as our running backs, that's usually Witt's go-to. They're a little unproven as of right now. So in order to counter that, we're going to need a guy like Charlie Brewer to really start slinging it and really uh, prove why we brought him in here. And I, I think he's going to be the key to the game, no doubt, in my mind. Well, and I think his numbers could have been quite a bit better had some guys not dropped some passes as well. There was that early yeah. on in the first quarter, a guy, one of the running backs, I can't remember who it was, might have been Makai Bernard, just dropped it in the end zone. Nobody near him. Great pass right on his hands. Charlie's a very accurate with the football. I it was it was really refreshing. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think there were two drop touchdown passes. I could be wrong. Um, and so yeah, I mean his his numbers could have been much better. And the one interception he had, I think, was a, a hail mary at the end of the half. Yep, just kind of hucking it up. You can't really. I mean, it has to count obviously, but right exactly. Really count. Yeah. Uh, Tavion yeah, Thomas though surprised me. Did you guys expect that from him? Uh, this week he was a little bit loose with the football. I think he did a little bit better in the second half. But I honestly a name that I had hadn't even heard going through camp. Um, maybe it's just because I wasn't paying that close attention to what was going on with the Utes. But was that something that was expected? James, I'll let you take that one. I mean, the, yeah, you know, we've been hearing good things about Thomas, the running back position. We've been hearing good things about uh, Bernard. It's interesting, you know. I mean, there weren't typical Ute number carries, right? For any running back. I mean, Thomas got his hundred on 12 yards on 12 carries and his looseness with the ball concerns me, frankly. Uh, I I feel like people are sort of dismissing that just because he had a good day, but uh, you can't assume you're going to be getting them all back. And he, I mean, they weren't anything. They weren't exceptional defensive plays that knocked the ball loose in any scenario. If it were that I would be less concerned they were more sort of passing by, getting hit, and losing it. I, I, I am interested to get your take. Like, Charlie Brewer did impress. Like, there's no question about it. His accuracy was next level. Uh, yeah, his interception goes in the books, but, it, you know, it's one you just take hoping to see something happen. I will be interested to see. That's not a very wit thing to do because he's always worried that it will get ran back on him. I will be interested to see if that is an indication of his desire to sort of push the envelope as the season progresses, or if that was just because it was Weber State and he didn't necessarily have that concern. Um, but I do wonder, and I, I wonder if, if you guys think that Charlie Brewer's arm strength will become an issue at any point in this season. Because it feels like to me, while he's super accurate, it feels like certain throws aren't, yeah. or, and, and it could have just been because it was Weber State, aren't available to him when he or got they are he got lucky early on with that keithy pass that honestly if the defender would have turned around would have been an interception not a pass interference and then that drive would have been halted so that i didn't really actually think about that uh i didn't most of the passes were short and intermediate especially early on they were having running backs flare out out to the uh out to the flats and that's where he was delivering the ball to i think kind of get into a bit of a rhythm which helped him obviously throughout the entire game and that's something that we see a lot in the NFL with uh, how play callers try to get their quarterbacks getting going. And I think that's something that we have never seen from a Utah Utah offense. I, I don't even remember them running necessarily the ball once on their first drive. I think they were all passes. Um, however, I do think now that I'm looking back at a lot of the highlights and uh, watching a few things that that arm strength might 
possess sort of an issue later on down the field uh, or, or down the line. And uh, yeah, what, what about you, Alan? Um, that is a good question. I hadn't really thought about that either, but that is, I mean, that could definitely be an issue, especially with some of these Pac-12 defenses. Um, I think that could be a problem. And even this week, it could be a problem. If, if he doesn't get that arm strength, uh, if he can't sling it a little bit further, I, I didn't even think about that. I think that's a good point. Um, still, I mean, he's just, he just, and again, it's Weaver State, so I don't want to overreact to, to his performance, yeah. but I, I do think seeing him and how composed he was when the play broke down or when the pocket broke down, I think that's going to be uh, more of a factor than the lack of arm strength, because I think he can buy himself a little bit of time without, you know, put himself in, in harm's way by just running out of the pocket every time. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens as he starts playing more physical defenses and more talented defenses. And he wasn't bad when they moved the pocket for him. When he was rolling out, he seemed pretty accurate then too. But honestly, I I am now worried. Thank you for making me worried about his arm strength. <laughs> I appreciate that. Something I Dude, that, that's uh, didn't what James need does. today, man. <laughs> that's what James does. Uh, you know, he, he finds something that you shouldn't, that you weren't worried about before, and he puts it in the forefront of your mind. But that's good because <laughs> now when I'm analyzing the game, I'm going to analyze that on every single quarterback from here on out. So I appreciate that little tidbit. Um, nuggets, good nuggets all around. <laughs> It, it will be interesting. I think, like, look, Charlie Brewer looked excellent versus Weber State. The real question, I think, for him, because I think you're right. You hit on it, both of you guys. He's a leader. Like, unquestionably, what you saw from him that sort of, I think, gave comfort to Utah fans is that there was supreme control of the offense and, and his teammates from a purely just game management. Like, there weren't errors that we normally see week one versus Weber State, right? So that is... Very comforting if you're a Utah fan and sometimes, you know, unnecessary penalties and, and disorganization has been the calling card of our offense at times. But the real question, I think, for Charlie Brewer going forward is, can his mind make up for his arm strength? And I tend to think it can. Lack of arm strength. I really think he understands football on a level that leads me to believe there will be times where his arm strength will, will, will cause us minor problems here or there. But I tend to believe that his understanding of the game and what the youths are trying to accomplish will, will overcome that more often than not. What that leads to a record, you know, I don't know. And hopefully it leads to a win versus BYU. I hope he's real focused this week is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, agreed. I think everybody's going to be pretty focused this week. Going forward, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the matchup. What do you guys expect? Um, who do you, what side of the ball do you think is going to dominate for uh, the Utes and also for BYU? If that Ooh, makes sense, that's that, that that that's a tough one. It's easy for for Utah to say their defense is going to absolutely dominate because that's what we're used to, but. I don't know. This just feels a little bit different so far. It just feels like everything we heard coming out of camp, everything we saw in week one, it feels almost like the offense is ready to take that step forward. Uh, the problem is, on the other side of the ball, you got a Kalani defense, which is always going to be tough. So it's real. I don't know. This That's an interesting question. I think, um, I, I think if I'm pushed, I'm going to go with Utah's defense is going to carry them through it because that's just what we've seen year in and year out for – a decade now 
and decade plus with Kyle Whittingham. So that, I, I think that's what we'll see. I think Utah's defense will really set the tone. And in BYU, I think, I think their defense is going to set the tone as well because I just, as, as talented as Jaron Hall is, I, I just I, I don't know what's going to happen when he sees a, a more physical team. And so, again, a lot of unanswered questions. And when in doubt, you bet on Kalani Satake's defense. James, what about you? Uh, those are all good points. And I, and I think, you know, those are, are, are probably the right picks. It will be interesting. I mean, the pressure of a rivalry game is something that you really can't fully describe to a quarterback until he plays in it. And the history of BYU quarterbacks is that at least in their first start and kind of throughout the rivalry game, they tend to make a few big mistakes that really hurt their team. Part of that is Utah's defense is really good. Part of that is, in my opinion, sometimes they're trying to do too much. Um, and, you know, with BYU had quite a few injuries. Gunnar Romney, I don't know if he's uh, available this week. I don't know if we've heard yet. Uh, there are uh, – there are – he, Jaron Hall can possibly try to do that, but when he stays within himself, he's a much more uh, dynamic and dangerous quarterback to the defense. So I, I'm going to go Utah's defense, but if, if BYU wants to win, it will have to be their offense. I, I don't know that you can expect, given how I saw them play versus Arizona, if you can expect them to hold Utah you know, below 24 points and and so you're gonna have to score a little and the history would lead me to believe that 24 might be hard for BYU versus Utah although they gave up 17 to Weber State yeah so here, here I have a question for for you Tucker do you think uh as Charles Brewer is a senior he's coming into Utah so he hasn't had a uh, a full you know multiple years dealing with the rivalry and understanding what a big deal it is do you think that's an advantage to him coming into this not really being able to be steeped in the rivalry for years and years. Like to me, that would seem like it'd be less pressure for him. What do you think? I, I honestly would tend to agree with that because I think it puts a little bit less pressure on him going into it just because he hasn't had to deal with it in the past. He doesn't have that stress factor of, okay, this is going to be the biggest game of the year for this football team to a large degree, unless they make it deep into, you know, the Pac-12 championship and possibly, it would be fantastic to see them in a playoff. Um, but I, I honestly think it's going to help him. Yes, I, I personally think Utah's offense is going to be the key to this game, not their defense. Um, I, I believe that Utah's defense is going to be able to do everything they can. But I honestly think after watching, I'm a little bit worried about the arm strength, but I agree with you as well that his mind and his mental aspect and just how he sees the field and how quickly Char- Charlie Brewer gets the ball out of his hands when he's in the pocket, which is going to lower his sacks, which is going to lower the ability for BYU's front line to even create pressure. And he's going to dump it down quickly and find his other options, which is something that I've noticed. So honestly, I think you're going to see a large scoring output in this ball game. I think Utah is most likely going to come away with the victory at this point after doing more research. I was going to go BYU, um, and then all morning uh, I was I was just reading and watching some stuff, and honestly I think Brewer and his impact on this Utah offense is going to be something special and something they haven't seen since 
honestly, the Brian Johnson days when we had somebody that could get it out quickly, and that's what won them football games against teams that might have been even better or more physical than they were because they had some speed and they were able to get out around the edges, and that's kind of what I saw from Utah this, this past week, especially when they were successful. So, yeah, I think it's going to help him, and uh, I think Utah's offense is going to be the show and the, the most important thing for a victory for them. So, Well, I, I hope you're right, man. If, if Utah's offense can, uh, can step up and, and take the, the mantle from, from the defense, I'm, I'm happy with that. I've been dying for a, a good offense at Utah for a long time. We saw it in 19 a little bit, but uh, I, I would like that consistently. Well, and I think Huntley could have done it pretty well if they would have given him the chance. We, I, the biggest difference we see is the, the lowered number of rushing attempts that we're not used to from a Utah football team which they still got all their yardage, but because of how good Charlie Brewer is at throwing the football, that secondary had to respect that, and that opened up a lot of rushing lanes on the interior. And I think we're going to see a lot of the similarities in this next coming week just because I don't think that secondary of BYU is going to be able to play as well as, as expected. Keithy's fantastic. I think he's he looks more like a wideout to me than a tight end at times because of his speed and his ability to to run routes. Um, so I, I, I think this team has a very good shot at having a fantastic season. Um, but yeah, I'm going to take Utah in a shootout um, just because I don't think either defense necessarily is as dominant as they were last year or just in years past. And so I think you're going to see something maybe in the score range of like, a, I don't know, 42 to 35, uh, somewhere around there, honestly. Wow. What do you guys high think? Scoring. Predictions. Yeah, I, I, I think it will be high scoring. All right, James, what about you? Got a, you got a score prediction? Man, I'm going to go with you. If it's that high, that makes me nervous. Um, that'll make me really nervous if BYU puts up that many points against Utah's defense. Um, but I think you have the sweet spot as far as the, the, the number for Utah winning. I'd go more like 35 to 14. Ooh, wow. You think yeah. it's going to be blowout? Yeah. Back to the definition of blowout. What's a blowout? But I don't think, it, I don't, you know, I don't think it'll be, uh, I don't think it'll be that margin. The whole I think the game will be closer in spots, but I think uh, the Utes in the end will rise up and and secure a pretty pretty easy victory. As they've done pretty much every single time in their recent years. Yep. <laughs> I can't even remember the last year that BYU uh, beat Utah off the top of my head. It's been so long. Is that the Max Hall? Uh, I think that was the Max Hall year, wasn't it? Probably, probably. Yep. I try not. It was to the Max Hall days. curse, is what they all talk about now, right? Yeah, yeah that's true. That's curse of Max Hall. Max Hall. Max Hall cursed him. Uh, curse of the great. I'm gonna go. So here's the problem: like it's it's a rivalry game. You never know what's gonna happen in this game. They're always closer than you expect. Well, not always, but most of the time. So I don't know. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go Utah by 10, 31-21. But I also think it's it's closer than that for the for the majority of the game. Okie dokie. Well, um, honestly, you guys, this has been fantastic. Uh, I, I hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as I have. Uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your guys' time. Thank you for your predictions, your insight. 
Um, it's been a lot of fun. Obviously, you can tell I get a little bit better as I go on into these podcasts as it's been quite a while. So I appreciate your patience with me and uh, also just just your time again. I hope to do it again soon, you guys. I appreciate it. Well, Tucker, thanks for having us on, man. I, I, I love what you're doing. I love the show. And uh, I saw that Bojack. Isn't he just like the nicest dude ever? Dude, he, uh, he's, he's been a good buddy. Actually, when I was a little bit younger and I was doing the play-by-play for uh, sports films, I had the opportunity to call a lacrosse game at Brighton High School with him because his son was on the team at that time. So uh, it one of the best experiences of my life ever since then. He's been a job reference for me. He's been a good friend. And, uh, yeah, he's he's just a cool dude, willing to do anything for anybody at any time. So... Yeah, it's same with Thurl Bailey. Big T's a good dude. I've had him on on past uh, episodes of my previous podcast, which I kind of just ended and started this new one. Um, but yeah, all those guys, surprisingly, once you get to know them, they're, they're just down to earth, just like everybody else, just like you and me. And uh, they love doing this stuff just as much as we do. So I think that... Yeah, I mean, that's great. Thanks for having us on, man. Love what you're doing. Keep up the good work. We'll, Thanks, guys. We'll be... Uh... We'll be listening for the exciting episodes ahead. All right. Thanks, brother. Have a good one, guys. You too.